It's Friday, um, and I guess we needed a full four days to go through the five stages of grief. You know, uh, I was I was upset. I was angry. Uh, you know, I had have I moved on? Uh, I don't even know what all the five stages of grief are. I, th- I think I'm still in the the anger phase. But um, <laughs> here we are. Here we are. I think there's denial. There's like denial. There's. Uh... I think I think anger and denial might be the only two that I have actually. You know, I I, I almost feel like I like I was going through four stages of grief then because there was no part of there was a little part of me the like the hopeful part thought that we were going to eke out a win, but you know to use To's words from back in the day, if it looks like a rat and smells like a rat, it's probably a rat. And this is what the Eagles have been putting on film for the last six weeks. So going into this or, game, or like, your holy, mom. Wasn't it your mom I, that said uh, when somebody tells you who they are, you need to ju- you need to just believe you need them. to listen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here we are. Uh, welcome, everyone. This is episode 83 of the Winging It podcast. I'm Ali. I'm joined by Andrew. Uh, sadly, we don't have Alex today. This is the first time me and Andrew are actually going. Actually. No, you're right, because our draft episode, our draft episode, we had we had Colin, right? Yeah, this is the first time that you and I are just getting to share share the mics together. It's the first time that we this. are appearing as a duo. Feels good. You know, it's, it's, it's nice. It's, it's, it's my first. It's my first time. It's my first time, but I think I like it. I think I like it. <laughs> uh, as always, uh, if you haven't already followed us, please follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcast. Uh, we're on uh, TikTok at wingin.it.pod and we're on instagram at wingin.it.pod and if you're listening to our beautiful voices and you want to check out our beautiful faces come on over to our youtube page and hit that subscribe button and hit that notification bell so you don't miss more content drew please 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 drew what Um, happened monday night oh that's a Is it a complicated answer? I don't really think so. You know, I'm, I'm simply um, the Eagles put up a performance that, to be honest, wasn't shocking, but I still found a way to to be surprised by it. Um, I predicted us to win. I got to give props to Alex because I think his score prediction was somewhere around like 22 or 23 to 11, and the fact that the Eagles couldn't even reach 11 we scored nine points against the worst pass defense in the nfl and we let up 32 points to a team that put up nine against the carolina panthers a week prior and then the week before that they choked against uh, i believe it was the saints where the bucks had a chance to win the division the week before um the bucks are not a good team i think that we all have kind of, we we all kind of thought that they might be the worst team in the playoffs and the eagles actually got a pretty lucky draw all things considered 
And then, you know, the day before the Eagles game, we saw the Cowboys lose to the Packers. And I had a lot of thoughts about that. First of which is it actually made me feel better about being an Eagles fan because um, in my mind, I'm like, it's actually worse to be a Dallas fan. And that felt pretty good, to be honest. It definitely took a little bit of the weight off of the Eagles. And it also made me feel like I'm really thankful that we didn't have to face the Packers because Jordan Love looked legit. And, you know, you're looking at a Packers team that has, what, four rookies on their offense, two receivers, two tight ends, uh, all who have been productive this year. And now let's look at the Eagles and this offense that's supposed to be high octane, this offense that I know we didn't have A.J. Brown and all things, you know, to be honest, Devontae Smith played his butt off. He was the one shining moment of that game without a doubt. But the offense looked exactly like what we have been seeing. And I don't know why. I don't I don't I don't know why I was naive to think that maybe we would see a little bit of creativity, a little bit of, you know, the 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 it was predictable it, and it was bland. And we saw all the bubble screens and we saw a, a run game that couldn't get going. And we saw a defense that let up plays through the air. And I, the defense, to be honest, kept us in the game. But there were multiple times that the Buccaneers had, you know, Mike Evans had a ball right in his hands, dropped it. Kate Otten, their tight end, had a ball right in his hands, dropped it. And those were both. Kate who? Kate who? (laughs) And that's like what upset me the most is like these. We can say that about any tight end that we go against. It's like you don't know, you know, these no name tight ends a week before, but then they face the Eagles. And it's like, oh, yeah, they can't cover anyone over the middle of the field and they have no linebackers. So. Yeah. Yeah. Kate Otten. Honestly, I, I felt the same way as you. Um, I, you know, we're, we're I, I want to get into the Cowboys game because I want to feel better about the Eagles. Uh, but at the same time, watching that game on Monday night, I remember at the end of the first quarter, I was like, oh, my God, it's still the first quarter. Why isn't this game ending so that they could just like put me out of my misery? <laughs> um, and honestly, I was surprised at how close the the score was for a majority of the game we were only down by like i think in the in the third quarter we were down by a touchdown to go in a halftime 16 to 9 and on top of that receiving the ball at halftime was you could not have asked for more than that no no and and the game was well within reach it felt like one of the the vintage games that we've had this season where we had no business winning that game and and for whatever reason we somehow eked it out at the end of the year or at the end of the game you know and and obviously after the the bills game you know alex had his his monologue of his wife sending him the text message about the eagles aren't lucky the eagles are good honestly i'm gonna now now that the the season is done i'm gonna say the eagles were lucky on numerous times this year and our luck finally ran out and i find you know honestly i can't wait for the 30 for 30 that's going to get done on the 2023 <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles and just do a postmortem. What happened? How did this team that had so much expectation, Drew, I don't remember as an Eagles fan going into a season with the exception of the 2005 season, the year after we lost the Super Bowl, and then McNabb ended up what I think he tore his ACL that year, right? So that was like a, a quarterback getting injured. And I don't there was recall, all the TO drama. And there was all the TO drama. I don't recall going into a season with this level of expectations and then having the letdown be so sort of like drawn out. This wasn't like, you know, 
the Minnesota Vikings of last year where they like had the most single, you know, score wins throughout the entire season. And then they just like lose to the New York Giants in the first round. This was long drawn out for six straight weeks. We all saw the wild card game coming and it was just like, it, it, I, I don't know, right? Like you, it was almost like we were getting killed by like this slow moving lava and we just didn't want to move out of its way, right? Like it's just—it's it, funny, you know. My, my my sister texted me after the most recent episode that we did, and she's like, "You guys need to just do this like a compilation of all of your go birds at the end of the episode, and just listen to how they slowly deflate over time." And that's that's what the season was. It was this slow death. And they set us up for high expectations, obviously coming off a year where they go to the Super Bowl. And then you start a season 10 and one. It's kind of impossible to turn back at that point, and especially the way that they got the 10 and one where, you know, after that Bills game. And I, I think it was I think it was you that that said that, you know, the identity of this Philadelphia of this 2023 Eagles team is is a team that finds a way to win and how quickly it turned to a team that finds a way to lose. And that's why I think that the conversation of like, is it coaching? Is it the locker room? Is it the personnel? Is it players? You know, what, what's going on? And, you know, maybe we, we need to at least revisit that. I want to at least revisit that question with you and, and see, I guess, overall, ultimately, you know, if you could like rank maybe, you know, yeah, like your top, your, your, your three reasons as to why this happened, I, I would love to hear, you know, what your thoughts are. I, a couple of weeks ago, uh, you know, I mentioned the Harry Truman quote, the buck stops here, right? Like Nick Sirianni at the end of the day, regardless of what was in front of him, needs to have, you know, a majority of the blame. I won't say some of the blame. I'll say a majority of the blame because at any point this season, we didn't see any type of adjustment based on what was going on. We were getting had. In the past game, we had players like Sam Howell who were having career days against our defense. And what? Howie Roseman goes out and gets Kevin Byard. Howie Roseman goes out and, uh, you know, signs Bradley Roby. All of these players, these these quote unquote mercenaries that we're sort of like trying to plug all of these holes within our defense. Shannon Sharp on... Shaq Leonard, Shaq Leonard, Shannon Sharp on Tuesday had like the best analogy for the 2023 Philadelphia Eagles defense. You're driving your car with the check engine light on and you're like, you know what? I don't need to take this to the mechanic because the car is running just fine. And you keep running, keep running, keep running until finally the car breaks down. You take it to the mechanic shop and the mechanic is like, you drove your engine into the ground. There's nothing we can do for this. We've got to do a major overhaul. And I think that's what the 2023 defense is, is we were winning and everyone was saying, yay, you know, we're winning. I don't like how we won here, but, you know, at least it's still a win. A win is a win is a win. And at the end of the day, for me, it is Nick Sirianni for failing to adjust based on his player issues. And granted, we had a lot of injuries on the back end. But the fact that he wasn't more vocal with Howie Roseman, who I'll put as the second 
person to blame in the 2023 Philadelphia Eagles campaign because player personnel was an issue going into this season. I voiced this as a concern. I was like, you can't get rid of CJ Gardner Johnson and expect that whoever is going to play is going to play at that same level. Right. And I think like NFL teams are often guilty of this where they feel like players are just plug and play. You just put them into a system and the system is just going to work. No. And I think like Chip Kelly is the prime example of that, right? A system only works if you have the right players in it. And it is not a plug and play thing. We got rid of CJ Gardner Johnson. We got rid of Kazir White. Uh, who is the the other linebacker that we got rid yeah. of? TJ Edwards. TJ Edwards. We got rid of him. And all of these players that were pivotal in how exceptional last year's defense was at generating turnovers. CJ Gardner Johnson was out for like three or four weeks last year, and he was still leading the NFL in interceptions. Like that is how game changing these players were. We got rid of them without any type of plan and how we were going to replace them. The, I mean, even if you want to like take a look at it from like a money ball perspective, right? Billy Bean looking at his players, not as players who can like, you know, do all of these things. It's like, who can get on first base? Like, let's look at it from the perspective of like, how do we generate interceptions? These players have the capability of generating X interceptions, whereas these players don't. And that's I what we I have went an into. answer. I think I have an answer for you. And, and I, I'll actually add uh, Javon Hargrave to your list. Um, he was one of four members of our defensive line last year that had 10 or more sacks. And I think what we saw, and I think what Howie Roseman's plan was, the mindset is we can avoid linebacker. We can have a below average uh, pass coverage unit if our defensive front is that vicious where they can continue to get to the quarterback and make the quarterback get rid of the ball quickly. And I think what we saw, especially the second half of the season, is our defensive line slow down so much to the point where they weren't bringing that pressure. And therefore, it just made our defense so easy to pick apart. I, I really think that Howie has this, you know, I think he just gets really uh, a little horny for uh, just a, a really, you know, ro robust defensive front, you know, just having these freak athletes that can get after the quarterback. And now it's like you have questions about Jordan Davis's conditioning and, you know, Jalen Carter is a rookie and, you know, how, 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 how is their stamina, you know, when they switch to the NFL and, you know, and then on top of that, we see things like, Hassan Reddick, you know, uh, staying back in coverage, which we saw last year. And then Nolan Smith, you really didn't get enough out of this year as a first round draft pick. So it just seemed like the plan failed. The plan completely failed and they were able to sneak by, you know, the first 11 games of the year. And then once things took a turn and, and to that point, you change defensive coordinators, it, it it does. It didn't really seem like the coordinator was as much as the issue, as much as it was like you don't have, you don't have the personnel, you don't have the depth, you don't have a, a defense that's capable of, of of keeping up with even crappy teams like the Giants and the Cardinals and Washington twice. You know, so yeah, I, I'm I'm remembering that Simpsons episode where. I can't remember which character was talking to which character, but it's like, uh, you know, hey, I've seen I see that you've hit rock bottom. I think it was like Barney and Barney is like, oh, no, I could go way worse. And I feel like that was when Nick Sirianni demoted Sean Desai when Agreed. we thought it couldn't get any worse. And he, you know, elevates Matt Pat Patricia as the play caller and it got significantly worse, which is why I'm putting the majority of the blame on Nick Sirianni, because 
even when he tried to adjust, it made things worse. And, you know, we could say like this belongs to the players, but honestly, I don't blame the players because the players were just trying to execute the system that was given to them, which is a pretty crappy system. We haven't even talked about offense yet. Yeah. And 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 now as you're you know, as you're as you're talking, we've spent quite a bit of time talking about Brian Johnson this year. A lot of the times not having the, the, the nicest things to say because our offenses look so stagnant. But it feels like, at least from what I've heard this week, it really seemed like he had very little control over running an offense to the point where it's like this guy's getting interviews from 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 teams for head coaching positions and it seems like a strong chance actually almost I would probably say 100% chance that he's he's not here next year neither will either of the defensive coordinators because if Sirianni stays which it seems like is going to happen the coordinators are going to just need to be completely revamped and I, does Nick Sirianni have have you know new people in mind to replace it's that that's going to be the question. And those were exactly the questions that we had very smartly going into this season, because we didn't have the skill that we had at these coordinator positions last year. Yeah. Brian, John, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this. And for everyone listening, we're all amongst (laughs) friends here. Given the, given what he put on tape, I can't look at Brian Johnson's interviews as anything more than like a Rooney rule candidate. Like they're, they're just looking for minority coordinators to interview. And I'm saying this and it sounds insensitive, but the fact that the New York, New York Giants did this a couple of years ago with Brian Flores, when they hired Brian Dayball, they had already made a decision about hiring Brian Dayball before they had even interviewed Brian Flores. Like these, these teams are terrible and they're required to interview black coaches and I just don't see a team hiring Brian Johnson unless he like goes in there and shows clear evidence as to why he had this like impeccable system that Nick, Nick Sirianni just messed up. Nick Sirianni, by the way, we all forget that the Eagles were two and five in 2021 before he handed the play calling reins over to Shane Steichen. And be quiet, Siri. <laughs> Still going. Still going. Siri's like, yeah, we should, we shouldn't have gotten rid of that guy, huh? We shouldn't have gotten rid of no. And I, I'm I'm happy for Shane Steichen, but at the same time, the this team, you know, the phrase "he who much has given, much is expected," right? You've got a quarterback who is second in MVP running. He was what number two or number three in the top. 100 NFL players ranked by all the the NFL players that that, that Did were he actually finished that high. I I I, I, think, I don't I think, think he I was ever like number three. Caught that list. Wow. I think he was like number three because it was Pat Pat Mahomes number one, Justin Jefferson number two, and I think it was Jalen Hurts at number three. You've got AJ Brown, who is a game wrecker, who had six straight games of over 125 yards, beats Calvin Johnson's record. You've got Devontae Smith, who small guy, but clearly explosive. When nothing else was working, he was the only one that was putting up damage against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We got DeAndre. He was my man was getting dirty. Like he was covered in grass stains and mud, and it's like you know that guy is leaving it all out there on the field. He he was the only consistent playmaker. And then we've got DeAndre Swift, a man who had four carries at halftime, four (laughs) carries at halftime. Sounds about right. (laughs) Even though two of those carries came on the first drive, one of them was like a nine yard carry. The other one was a four yard carry that got him a first down. It's malpractice. 
it's malpractice, and I'm even going to go at, like a step before that, and like again, we we win a coin toss and we defer, and I think the day before we saw a very good example of why sometimes it can be a good idea to receive the opening kickoff, like the Packers did. You you set the tone, you know you you have an opportunity to move the ball to put points up on the board and make the other team you know maybe change their game plan a little bit, change their mindset. But the Eagles. Time after time, they kick the ball away so we can get it back at halftime. And I feel like it's because of that that they just abandon the run altogether it, because they're 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 immediately playing catch up ball when they don't need to. Yeah, and and it's funny because we all saw this on the first game of the season against the Patriots, where Jalen Hurts was. It was very clear he was trying to not get hit. Obviously, there's speculation, and I know Troy Aikman was speculating at the end of Monday night's game about how injured is Jalen Hurts. I have that but same question. It, frankly, I I think we all do. But even if even when he was injured last year, and Jalen tends to get pretty beat up as the season goes on, just because he's a running quarterback, and running quarterbacks can can get a little dinged up, right? But from the beginning of the season, it was almost as if it looked like. He is the face of the franchise. He is the franchise. They paid him all of this money and they told him, do not take hits if you can help it. And when you do that to that type of quarterback where I, I get it, right? Like he wants to be a pocket passer and he's improved his, per, you know, his completion percentage pretty drastically. I think he was, uh, he was actually middle of the pack in completion percentage in the 2023 season. Well, that's easy when you throw a bunch of bubble screens. Uh, yeah, I mean, let's let's. And I, I need to add. Well, no, actually, finish your point because I I do have something that that does bother me a little bit about about Jalen, but I don't want to interject quite yet. Well, I was just gonna finish by saying, you know, I I don't like how it seemed like we took half of his game and told him he can't do it anymore. Hmm. That's what it looked like to me. It looks that way, and I, I think that I want to believe that the reason that there was so much hesitance from hesitancy, hesitance, hesitance, whatever. Um, <laughs> the, the reason like, I, I think that there's just a lingering knee injury. Like that's the only yeah. that's it, it, that actually gives me a little bit of optimism that he can recover. And then we can kind of just see uh, uh, him be able to take it to a different gear because even even when he did run, it just didn't. It didn't look like he had the same amount of explosiveness. I mean, there there were times where he extended plays, and but it just he was a step slower than he was last year. And then on top of that, I know this week he had the the finger injury, and you could see that a little bit. Now, the issue that I was that I was alluding to is that Jalen. If there's one thing that I've that I can really knock on him is that I can knock on him again. I don't know. I'm just. My phrasing things weird. We're Who winging knows? it. We're winging it. We're winging it, man. We're just trying to speak words in order. Uh, <laughs> my other big knock on Jalen is that he just does not have the ability to to zip a pass. Um, mm. His his long ball has gotten much better, and that that deep ball to Devontae Smith was was a perfect throw. That was by far the Eagles' play of the game on the offensive side of the ball, but. Jalen and I know that I noticed this on on shorter passes and it's well before the finger injury. He just doesn't throw the ball fast like he he just doesn't have a rocket arm. 
and I feel like it's 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 really hurting them on the screen passes because there's just like fractions of, of a second that you're losing because it takes time for the ball to get to the receiver. And to be honest, he doesn't throw that screen pass the most accurate. You know, there there's quarterbacks right. that they can drop back. Like I just kind of think of like an Aaron Rodgers who like effortlessly can just sling a ball and, you know, put it in a spot where the receiver is kind of catching it in a position where their their momentum's already kind of taking them forward. Um now, you know, I know like throwing a bubble screen to Julio Jones or to Quez Watkins is probably never going to be the recipe for success, but he's just not good at throwing that ball. And that's that's really all I can say about that. So um, to bring us back, you know, I, I think the knee was something that's lingered all season long. And I, you know, we saw it with Carson Wentz, too. When Carson took a step back, it's like how much, you know, can we put on these 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 injuries that have kind of piled up and I have optimism that Jalen will recover and, and get healthy and, you know, hopefully come into next season just fresh healed, you know, and, and kind of just be willing to do what's ever needed to win a game and not have to like, you know, Oh, you know, I'm going to take it easy because I'm trying not to get hit. You know, they just paid me all this money. It's like, we, we, we can't live like, you know, Josh Allen doesn't play like that. He, he throws yeah. his body out there on the line. So, um, you know, there's things that there, there's things that, Jalen can still improve on. I don't know if you can in your career, just learn how to throw a ball faster. I don't know if that's just like a God given talent, but it, it seems to hurt them when he kind of just lobs him. I don't know. Yeah. Again, I think this is why, you know, I had my rant from, from a couple of weeks ago. Uh, that's on, it's only on audio. I didn't, I didn't put a video out there just cause I didn't have the heart to, to show how <laughs> angry I was as I was speaking. <laughs> Um, but you know, like the, the system itself, I feel like was designed to hurt him, right? Like it was designed to not give him any type of advantage. We don't motion, which gives him information. We don't run, run like running back designed runs out of anything other than the shotgun. Although I did see that we started running out of the pistol a little bit more. Those are actually the run plays that were working on Monday night. Um, and we have no and plan a, against the blitz. Like that's, and we have that's, no plan against the blitz. I think that that may be the biggest killer for him. Yeah, there's, there's no a, there's they've a, had no answer to it. There's a YouTuber that I follow. I can't remember his name, but the YouTube channel is the QB School, and he did a couple of episodes on the Eagles where he basically just like does game film and like just you know talking about like you know opportunities that the quarterback could have taken advantage of or like highlighting really good plays that the quarterback did. Um, what one of his last ones was the Eagles against the 49ers. And he was breaking down. He was like, I've been saying this all season. The Eagles blitz answer is is like idiotic in my mind. Non-existent. (laughs) Well, the thing is, he was saying that, number one, usually what you do is you have your hot route from the direction of the blitz. Right. So usually if you're you're getting a blitzer from your left side, whoever's on the left side understands that, hey, there's a blitz coming. And they cut that route short. They do some type of cross route, drag route, et cetera, to give the quarterback that out from the direction of the blitz, right? The Eagles actually have something very similar. Although it is a longer developing route, it is away from the blitz. So you have Jalen Hurts running away and he's trying to throw in the opposite direction. It just doesn't make sense from like a fundamental perspective. And this is why I keep going back to this is obviously players I, on offense. I don't think it was players. I think the reason why there were so much expectations this season is because we had all of the right pieces in play 
and we weren't able to take advantage of it. This was a perfect example of why coaching can bring out more than what players are able to put on film. And at the same time, coaching is able to take away from what players can put on, on, on the field. Um, and it's a good I, point because to be like Ali, literally the only injury that this offense really suffered this year that was a multi-week absence was Dallas Goddard. I can't yep. think of any other offensive player that missed significant amount of time. Like, you know, I can understand, you know, we, we've looked at the Eagles numbers with and without Lane Johnson. So, yeah, it's like if Lane's out for five to six weeks and they're struggling, you can kind of pinpoint the issue or, or, or maybe make some sense of it. But we've been pretty healthy for the most part on the offensive side of the ball. And even if like you have no defense, you like to think that with our offense, like with the players that we have on offense, you should at the very least be able to keep up with teams. And we weren't able to. Nine points, man. Nine points. Well, listen, nine points, let's... 32 to nine. Speaking what? of a quarterback, speaking of a quarterback who could who can sling it. And honestly, this was a pretty big shocker to me. Um, who is the number two in touchdown passes quarterback this season? The second you just started talking right there, my brain just went CJ Stroud. Jordan Love. <laughs> this Jordan <Wow>. what? <laughs> Mother effing Love. This guy, honestly, you know, when you see quarterbacks like go through and and maybe like listen. How, whatever you want to say about the Packers, that team can draft quarterbacks, man. Like they can absolutely draft quarterbacks. And maybe the secret to having a long sustained franchise that is in the, it puts you in the hunt. It puts you in, in, you know, position to win a championship every year is you draft a quarterback before your starting quarterback is ready to retire or leave. You let them sit there on the bench, learn, progress, and then three years later, you put him in. And he's not this like unseasoned rookie. He's this player who's been watching and developing in the corner this whole time. Jordan Love, I can't think of a quarterback who has increased his accuracy in throwing it, it's like in six games. Like, and I can't think of a team that has that has done with quarterbacks what the Packers have done, to your point, because they have right. Brett Favre forever. And then who was waiting in the curtails? Again, I don't know if that's the right saying. I'm just I'm just I'm just workshopping words and sentences. And, you know, let's just hope that they make sense. But who's who's ha who's hanging around waiting to take over Aaron Rodgers? And then Aaron Rodgers has this long Hall of Fame career. And sure enough. Who, who, who's sitting there on the bench for three years waiting for their opportunity. And now here they are, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's incredible. I don't, I can't think of any other teams that have done that. No, no. Considering that he's doing it with the tools that Aaron Rodgers had last year, the Packers didn't sign like these big name receivers. Like they've got Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs. I don't even know who their tight end is. And they've got Aaron Jones, obviously, who's just, an absolute beast. Their tight ends are both rookies. They have uh, uh, Luke Musgrave. I think Luke's his first. Oh, name. Musgrave. Yep, name's. Musgrave. Musgrave, and uh, and Kraft. I think Tyler Kraft, or no, it's not yep. Tyler Kraft. That sounds right. Because I I don't know why I'm thinking of a guy that used to be on the Bengals or something, and he's not a rookie. But anyway, they have two rookie tight ends, and both I think between them and then their two rookie receivers, which was uh, Don Dontavious Dontavious Wicks and. Yep. Um, Sugar, who's the other guy that I can't think of? Bo um, Melton, uh, Jaden Reed. Jaden Reed, Jaden Reed. 
between the four of those guys, I think all four of them had 30 or more receptions this year. I'm pretty sure it's the first time in NFL history that four rookies on the same team had 30 or more receptions. I mean, it's pretty it's pretty impressive. And then how much did they end up putting up on Dallas? Dallas, who's supposed 48. to be a 48 points on Dallas, who's supposed to be this this, you know, one of the best defenses in the league. Unbelievable. I mean, talk about like to your point about Jalen being able to zip the ball. One of the things that impressed me the most about Jordan Love was how he was able to zip the ball into tight windows into like in spots where he like he almost forces his players open. He almost like forces their momentum to take them into a position that's going to better suit them. And like that one play where he was getting blitzed and like throws off his back foot. And it's just this perfect like over the shoulder catch in the end zone. I was like, I'm I'm a Jordan Love fan, man. Like this guy <laughs> can, I mean, obviously if you put 48 points on the Dallas Cowboys, which by the way, the Green Bay Packers have won more playoff games in AT&T Stadium than the Dallas Cowboys have. And just to make it all the more sweeter, it's like Mike McCarthy's former team that's just completely just like shoving it in his face. Um, that's that's a heck of a stat. I didn't realize that, but it also doesn't surprise me because you know the the the, the Cowboys feel like the freaking seventy sixers. Like they just can't make it out of the they can't make it out of the yep. first or second round of the playoffs. Yeah, you know, did I feel bad? No. Um, I thought it was no it was pretty hilarious that uh, Dak started off this season by saying that he wasn't going to throw 10 interceptions. And if you count the playoffs, he wasn't lying. He threw 11. Um, so, That's you know, pretty good. it's still pretty good. It's still pretty good. He, he had he had the most passing touchdowns uh, this NFL season. I think Dak had out of like all of the quarterbacks in the league. I think he had the biggest improvement, which is why I keep going back to this coaches can bring about the best in players when you had Kellen Moore who was calling the play calls and Dak was, was, you know, he was Dak. And then Mike McCarthy fires Kellen Moore, takes over the play calling and he's got, you know, the best season of his career that he put on film. So, you know, we can obviously like talk about this collapse, like to the cows come home, but the fact that it was on prime time, the fact that it was the playoffs, you had, Dallas Cowboys, like that meme that was like, oh, you know, season starts. This is our year. Keep beating up on bad teams. We them boys. This is our team. And then choking the playoffs. The fact that this has been the cycle, I honestly feel bad. You know, I don't feel bad for Cowboys fans like this. You chose this. This is this is on you. I feel bad. Like the only Cowboy fan I could ever potentially feel bad for is just like somebody who was like truly raised in or around Dallas, Texas, that has like a true reason to be a fan of the team other than because, you know, someone in their family loved the Cowboys in the 70s because all of their games were broadcasted on TV. And so, you know, yeah, America's team because all the games were broadcasted. It's like now it's like we're past that, you know, like. There's got you need to have some actual connection or maybe you don't. I don't know. That's just my opinion. But it feels very uh, just fraudulent to just hop on to America's team. Just yeah. like especially if you live in the Philadelphia area, you're just doing it to be a contrarian. You're you're just you're you're you're, you're doing it for attention, honestly. Um, and, and, you know, like if not this year for Dallas, then when? And that was my immediate thought. It's like this is probably the most hope that Dallas has had since I can remember, you know, since, since the nineties, uh, cause they really haven't had consistent quarterback play between Troy Aikman and 
Dak Prescott. You have CeeDee Lamb, who is arguably the best receiver in football this year. And, you know, you still have a pretty... You got Michael Parsons, who's one of the best defensive players in football. You have uh, Bland, uh, you know, who took over for... um, Trayvon, Trayvon Diggs, Diggs and, and, you know, set a record with pick sixes. So like they had all these great storylines going this year. There was all this excitement and yeah, Dak was in the MVP running for the majority of the year and for them to be one and done. And then on top of that, that set up the next game, which was the, uh, the Rams and the lions, where if the Rams won that game, it actually gave the Eagles a chance to host a home playoff game, which was just completely mind blowing in the moment, but it felt very realistic. Um, but then, of course, the Lions won and the Eagles didn't. So that was short lived. But uh, it's it, it kind of just like set up all these scenarios that were just like the NFL is just so unpredictable. Yeah, the Cowboys. I have a hard time calling the Cowboys America's team. They're not even like Texas's team. Like the Houston Texans have, are, are going farther than the Dallas Cowboys. Well, you know, that, that seems like a, the perfect opportunity to kind of just quickly review what happened last week and how that sets up this weekend's games. Uh, the first game of last week, which was those Houston Texans, CJ Stroud, rookie quarterback, D'Amico Ryan's first year head coach, uh, got to host the game. They won their division. So uh, they hosted Joe Flacco and the Cleveland Browns, and they put on a clinic. They put on an absolute show. Um, it's a hard team not to like when you see young talent, when you see a team who was projected going into this year, they were projected again to be one of the top three worst teams in football, you know, uh, projecting to have one of the top draft picks. And, you know, they got this great deal in return for Deshaun Jackson. They were able to draft CJ Stroud. They were able to draft, uh, I think Will Anderson is the defensive player. Um, so they're, they're set up, you know, for, for quite a few years at this point. So they're going to be facing the Baltimore Ravens this weekend. The Ravens had the number one seed, so they were able to get the bye. Um, so, yeah, like, you know, I guess I ask you simply your prediction on this game and, and what, you know, do do the Texans actually have a chance to beat Baltimore in Baltimore? Right now, the Houston's a nine and a half point underdog uh, over under set at 43 and a half. So, yeah, man, what are your thoughts on this? So. One of the things that I love about wildcard weekend is you have like these really intriguing matchups that happen. Um, and then whoever gets the short end of the stick by having to go play the number one seed the following week, we're quickly reminded why they're the number one seed, right? So Lamar Jackson is the clear cut MVP this season. I think CJ mm-hmm. Stroud has had one heck of a rookie season and I hope it continues. Like the guy is. I, I think he might be one of the all-time greats in quarterbacks in the NFL. He for looks many like years the real come. deal. Yeah, he does look like the real deal. But when I look at that Ravens team, man, like they've got they've got a stout running game. Lamar Jackson is able to zip it. Zay Flowers. They got they got uh what's his name um other receiver uh Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham <laughs> no, Jr. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Like the guy with the the guy with the blonde hair. Um, Right. And their defense is like, this is the best defense that they've had in my, in my memory since like the Ray Lewis Terrell Suggs era. And like, and it feels like their defense is never bad, but to say that their defense is the, is better than it's been is, is really saying something. And that's why they're the number one seed. Considering uh, like 
we talked last year about like the Goldilocks moment, right? Like where you've got the the quarterback on the rookie contract, you've got like all these players, you've got this this you know stout defense, and I think that there is a another Goldilocks moment with NFL teams where you have a quarterback who is past his rookie contract. He's got his money. You've got rookie receivers who are exceptional at what they do. You've got a line that is able to hold, you know, in pass cup pass blocking and they're able to run block. Well, you've got a stout running game and you've got a defense that's mostly made up of young players. And in my mind, like defenses, you've got a short window of three to five years to be able to capitalize on it, which is why I thought the New York Jets were going to do something this year, because they do have a defense if they obviously if Aaron Rodgers had uh, had stayed healthy this year. I think the Ravens are in their Goldilocks moment this year. And if it doesn't happen this year, it may happen next year. But if not in the next two years, I think this is this is their window. I agree. And to that point, it does feel like there's probably a decent amount of pressure on Lamar Jackson because, yeah, you're 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 basically the runaway MVP and he's never won a Super Bowl. So I I think that, you know, kind of like another game we'll get into with Josh Allen, it it, it feels like there's kind of like this this day of reckoning coming for quite a few players where it's like, you know, now now's your chance. And that makes for great drama. It makes for a great storyline. And I. I, I just to give a prediction, I, you know, I caught what you said before about how, you know, a team has this wonderful shiny moment the week before, and then they're quickly reminded of, you know, the, the tears of, of, of football teams. And I think Houston is kind of in for a rude awakening. Uh, like I said, the Ravens are a nine and a half point favorite. I can, I can see this like being a three possession win, like, you know, in a sense, not to say last week was the Texan Super Bowl, but like you won a home playoff game in a year that you had no expectations. They can go into this game without a lot of pressure, knowing that, you know, they're not expected to win and just kind of, you know, let it fly. Let us, you know, who knows any given Sunday or Saturday. <laughs> this, is, this is the game yeah. tomorrow. But um, yeah, it's, it's really hard. The one other thing I wanted to add with the Ravens is yeah, John Harbaugh has been there forever. He's a very good coach, a proven good coach. And I think that that can also, you know, make a bit of a difference going up against a rookie head coach. Yeah. And I mean, John Harbaugh has been there. He's he's won a Super Bowl. Yep. So he, mean, he knows it what something. it takes. Then we've got we've got the Packers and we've got the 49ers tomorrow night. It's so that's smart. On Saturday, they gave both number one seeds, you know, both both the teams that didn't play last week. They're they're letting them play on Saturday. They're not giving them, you know, even that extra day of rest to play on on Sunday. Well, they Obviously, I think they had the to. I think I think they had to give them on Saturday because the Buccaneers and the Bills both played on Monday. And I on think Monday, they're going to. Yeah, they're, they have to give them that full week. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, also nine and a half point favorites. Like, what, what are your thoughts on this game? I there's something about a Packers 49ers matchup in the playoffs that just feels right. You know, there's something nostalgic about this matchup. Uh, I think I probably think back to like maybe around like 1996 uh, where, when T.O. was on the 49ers, uh, you know, Steve Young against Brett Favre. And I remember T.O. catching a touchdown at the end of the game. And I remember, you know, like I, I think I was eight 
And I, I remember like afterwards T.O. taking his helmet off and it looked like he was crying. And I remember asking my parents, I'm like, oh, did he get hurt? Like, is he hurt? Is that why he's crying? And then I think I shortly realized that it's just he made it was such a huge moment, such a huge play that, you know, it was probably just an emotional type of thing. So anyway, weird, weird memory. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting to see both of these number one seeds. They're both nine and a half points point favorites. I give the Packers a much better chance of winning this game than I do the Texans beating the Ravens. Um, overall, I don't think the Packers will win. I, I still think that the 49ers just on both sides of the ball are, are they have so much talent. They really do. Uh, like, like having Brandon Ayuk and having Debo Samuel and, and, and George Kittle and Chris, <laughs> Christian McCaffrey. It's yeah. they are a hard team to beat. And I don't want to see the Niners win, but it's going to be tough for, for the Packers to come off of that high from last week and be able to do it in San Francisco. Like if you can beat Dallas and San Francisco back to back weeks in their, in their own stadium, I, I will buy a Jordan love Jersey. I'll, I'll do it. Cause I will be beyond impressed. So, uh, I have a, uh, what I called my, my Cowboys hater uniform. I have a Packers <laughs> Jersey. Uh, and a Packers hat, and I was wearing it on uh, on Sunday last week. Wait, who's your Packers jersey? Dorsey Levens? No, Antonio Freeman? No, it's uh, I I stay true. I try to stay true to the rule, the the number one rule. I don't wear another man's name on my back, so it's <laughs> it's my name. So you did uh, or did not get a DeAndre Swift jersey this year? I did get a DeAndre Swift jersey because I said mm-hmm. I told Alex that I was going to do it. A China green DeAndre Swift jersey and um. <laughs> You know, it's unfortunate because it's an exception. Yeah. Um, you know, this game, it's really intriguing. And I think I need to pick with my heart here because I saw a Packers team last week who is a seven point underdog going into Dallas and they were playing loose. Now, granted, the, the Cowboys have like this thing that's looming over their heads of like, we can't make it to the big game. Like, heck, we can't even make it to the NFC championship game. So that was kind of looming over their heads. But what I saw was a Packers team who is playing incredibly loose. They literally have zero expectations. And what they did last week against the Cowboys makes me feel like there is an opportunity here. I will say the thing that, you know, kind of worries me a little bit about this game, because I don't want the 49ers to win, is Kyle Shanahan is just an absolute like genius of, of mm-hmm. an like an offensive mind. And, you know, I think about the the Green Bay Packers, their number one weakness is on their defense. So it is truly about if we can turn Brock Purdy into the pumpkin that we all know that he is. Cam Newton called him a game manager along with Tua Tagovailoa, Dak Prescott. He called Jared Goff as well. I, mean, I was going to say you just turn him in, turn him into Dak Prescott because I think they had three or four interceptions, so they basically turned Dak into a pumpkin. You know exactly, exactly. I think if we can, if we can, see, I, I, I'm a huge fan of Jair Alexander. I love his trash oh, yeah. talking, like the fact that he went on, uh, he went on that interview right after the game. He was like, "There's only a few quarterbacks that have thrown me multiple interceptions, and Dak is now one of them." <laughs> like <laughs> ultimate. Troll just speaking moment. the truth. Just speaking, Just speaking the, truth. the truth. I'm gonna pick. The, I'm gonna pick the Green Bay Packers for this one. Why I think not? they you know? they're they're a young team with nothing to prove, and I think they're gonna go in loose enough to where this game is going to be at least close. And I really hope they pull it out. 
It's going to be a fun one. That game is is the primetime game tomorrow night, which is Saturday, uh, 8.20 kickoff. Let's take things into Sunday and finish off this slate. Uh, we got the the Buccaneers. Who Wait, who did they who did they beat last week? Um, uh, some, oh, yeah, some right, scrub that's right. team. I've, I've eliminated it from my memory forever. Uh, the Just Buccaneers like will be trapped. <laughs> yeah, you're not kidding. The Bucks are going to be traveling to Detroit where that was a spectacle last week. That was a really cool thing to watch. Um, it's been 30 years since Detroit hosted a playoff game. Uh, they hosted the Rams, you know, Matt Stafford, former quarterback of the Lions for a long time. Uh, unfortunately, you know, didn't have a whole lot of success there, but did kind of help with working towards turning around that franchise. Uh, that place, I'm sure, is going to be probably even louder than it was last week. So the Lions are currently a six-point uh, favorite against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm a little surprised it's only one possession. Uh, the over-under is 49.5, so it does seem like there will be some points. Uh, Detroit is not a good team against the pass. They're, they have given up multiple, multiple weeks of just absolute huge performances to other receivers. Granted, I, you know, some of some of those receivers have been superstars like Justin Jefferson and, and C.D. Lamb, but they have trouble. Um, Puka Nakua had, a, had, a, had an incredible game last week. So, um, you know, Baker Mayfield, is, is he going to be able to is there is there more magic for Tampa Bay? Are they going to be able to to win this game and take care of them like they did to us, or uh, do you see Detroit being the victor? I think this is probably what the more the most clear cut second to to the Ravens Texans. Um, I, I don't I don't think the Buccaneers belong in the playoffs. The fact that they beat the Eagles in the first round, like you know, we were talking about the Eagles having like the best draw of playing the Bucks in the first round. I think the Buccaneers looked at the Eagles and they were like, oh my God, we got the Eagles. Like this is an easy win for us. Um, if we had to go to Detroit la- this week and play Detroit, I would have said, there's no way we're beating Detroit. Just like I'm saying, I, I don't think there's any way that Baker's is going to be able to beat Jared Goff. Uh, yeah, I feel the say same you- way. Yeah. I mean, at the very least, you know Detroit's defense can't be much worse than the Eagles, and I would probably say that their offense is better than the Eagles at this given point in time. Uh, you know, Am- Amon St. Brown, Amron, Amon, Amon Ra, Amon Ra. I knew, dude. You know, it's been it's been a rough week. All right, there's been a it lot of recovery been. going on from. Yeah. So, Amon Ra, St. Brown, Sun God. Um, Sun God, inc- because we've been in the dark. We've been in the dark yeah. the whole week. <laughs> He's awesome. Uh, you know, Sam Laporta it, it, fortunately didn't have to miss any time with the knee injury. Um, you know, they have that two-headed monster of David Montgomery and, and Jameer Gibbs, which is probably the best two-headed running back monster in the NFL at this point in time. And, uh, you know, again, they have the home field advantage. So it's it's really hard for me to see the, the Bucks winning like major props to Baker Mayfield for what that you know, what that team's been able to accomplish this year. But their defense is still not great. I think Detroit will not have trouble moving the ball, putting up points. And um, yeah, yeah, it's it, Tampa Bay. Like you said, they're the worst team in the playoffs. So th- there's really no reason that they should be able to beat Detroit this week. How about you? Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think uh, I think Baker's uh, Baker's had his moment last week, and that's it. That's it. Which uh, which like, man, I 
I really am impressed with Baker because like he had a good game and his game really could have been so much better. Like those drops, it's it, yeah. seriously, they were giving the Eagles every opportunity. Here I go, you know, here I am. I'm revisiting a game that I told myself I would eliminate from my mind and I'm here. I'm getting sucked right back in. But, you know, all things considered, he was throwing the ball accurately and, and his players were letting him down and they still ran away with the game. So anyway, he just, was you know, he was nice also work. playing. He was also playing the worst pass defense in the NFL. Actually, he was also playing the worst <laughs> defense in the NFL, uh, which yeah. takes us, which takes us. It's like, man, how can there not be script writers in the NFL? We get Kansas City at the Buffalo Bills Sunday afternoon at 631 Eastern, 531 Central. I'm going to say that because when Alex listens to afternoon, this episode, evening, I, I want Alex to know that I mentioned the Central time because he's such a <laughs> hater for Central time. We've got Patrick Mahomes playing his first ever playoff game away from Arrowhead Stadium. What Let are your thoughts on in. this game? My thoughts on this game is this is the Bills Super Bowl. They have to win this game. There's no two ways about it. Josh Allen has to win this game. I want I want the Bills to win. Um, I'm just I'm I'm like I'm tr- I'm picturing the Bills not winning and just how how would that fan base ever recover from that? Especially after the overtime uh, a year t- no, it was two years ago. Um, you know where 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 the Bills were never able to get a chance to to have the ball in overtime and you know they've since changed the rule but man it's you know it's it's the bills are a two and a half point favorite this is basically an even game and you know we 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 almost have patrick mahomes on dak prescott levels in terms of how annoyed we are by this guy so i think we all want to see patrick mahomes fail and especially after the last time they played the bills where that final play got called back and when he went to shake josh allen's hand at the end of the game and all he did was complain about the call you know, I really hope that this is that there's some karma here, or that. Yeah, I don't. I don't know, man. I, all I can say is the Bills have to win this game. I can't be any more, you know, definitive. The Bills have to win this game. Yeah, I agree. I think Josh Allen. This is this is his career right here. Um, is losing to Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs, and he needs you finally to get have this- him at home. You finally have him in your own house he needs to get this monkey off his back. If he's ever going to be elevated to a tier where we talk about him, like, and they do, right? Like Chris Collinsworth obviously is like Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. Like everyone is going to be like, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like I I can't say on this podcast because, you know, this is a family friendly podcast. Tony Romo does the same thing. You know, it's just like, you know, a little bit of there it is, Jim. Oh my God. So good. Um, I really want the bills to win. I think the bills are going to win. Um, and I think this is going to be, uh, the early fall, if you will, of Patrick Mahomes, where he's been looked at as kind of the second coming of Tom Brady. And I think starting from this season, it is going to be pretty evident that Tom Brady resides in a galaxy all on his own and no one's ever going to be able to visit him. You know, I, my only my only pushback there is that Patrick Mahomes receivers have really let him down this year. And you know, 
on the other on the on, on the flip side of that, Tom Brady, other than Randy uh, uh, Randy Moss, you know he he really never had stud receivers. So you know these Dion Branch guys, David Patton, just like you know, then he had the Wes Welker and Julian Edelman and and some of these you know the little white guys that were able to to make things happen. But he never had star receivers. Um, and really, Pat Patrick Mahomes hasn't really either. But his receivers have definitely let him down quite a bit this year. So it's hard for me to put their, you know, step back this year solely on the quarterback because there's been shortcomings by other members of the team that haven't been Pat's fault. But, um, yeah, I, I, it's, it's tough to argue like Pat, he really, you know, Patrick Mahomes is still, he's, he's going to be close to that Brady level. It's, I don't know, man, we'll, we'll see. He's still got quite, he's still got quite a few years left. Yeah. Well, I mean, that wraps up this weekend. Um, you know, I think that we're we're in for a nice slate of games. I really can't wait for the Green Bay San Fran game. I think you're you're absolutely right. It just feels right to watch a game like that in the divisional round of the playoffs. Um, any last thoughts before we uh, before we send it home? Uh, I, you know, I don't I don't know. Um, obviously, this this Eagle season was highly, highly, highly disappointing. It was fun for a very short while or you know maybe for a couple months and things definitely took a nasty turn um i'm really curious to see what this offseason holds and you know we will definitely be continuing to record and, and and kind of you know report things as we see them and and talk amongst ourselves to see what we think you know there still i suppose is, is a chance that sirianni isn't here like we've kind of already talked about most likely he will be but i am curious to kind of hear just continued reports, you know, see if there's just any more information about what happened with this team. And, uh, you know, also got to give a quick thank you to Jason Kelsey. If that is indeed the last game that we'll ever see, uh, you know, Kelsey play for the Eagles. It's a really anticlimactic way to finish. But, um, you know, every uh, man, anybody who's been watching Eagles football for the last decade, I think, I think has nothing but love for that guy. So uh, it's been a, a complete joy getting to watch him and even just listen to him speak. Um, so yeah, I'm excited. I, I, I'm really excited about this weekend's game. It'll be a nice way to kind of reset and not think about the Eagles. Um, and then hopefully, you know, uh, hopefully things fall into place a little bit and we can get back on track next year, but it still sucks, man. It, it really does. Well said, well said, Drew. Yeah. Well said. well, <laughs> Thanks for uh, thanks for winging it with us, everyone. We're going to be back next week to recap uh, the progress in the divisional rounds and look forward to the NFC Championship game. And Drew, this one is specifically for your sister. Go Birds! Go Birds! Yeah.